0: Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.
1: Athletic Scholarship Corporation and the ASC Sports Radio Network. Today I have a special guest, a college football coach John Pierce. And before we get started, Coach Pierce, I wanted to uh, let everybody know, as I usually do, even though this is a D3 program, uh, Coach Pierce is not endorsing any particular product or service, just to appease the NCAA folks over there. Uh, now that we got the legals out of the way, Coach Pierce, welcome to the show. Oh, uh, I'm glad you got me. Uh, great day here in Alpine. Yeah, I appreciate you calling in, and uh, what I wanted to cover, if you could just give a little background on on yourself, um, obviously, individually, and then about your program.
2: Okay, um, originally from the Washington, D.C. area, uh, I was fortunate enough to play football at the University of Delaware under Hall of Fame coach Tubby Raymond, uh, coached high school uh, right after graduating, uh, got a G.A. position at Bowie State in Maryland. Uh, coached high school in Florida, had the opportunity to uh, joined Shepherd University or not. Uh, staff was there for three years. Uh, took a job at Norfolk State, and then what brought me to Texas was Prairie View A&M University. Mm-hmm. Came out here, uh, coached there for about ten years. Uh, we took a program that was uh, basically had a bad history of the longest losing streak in the NCAA history, I think, and we turned it around, won the SWAC championship uh spent one year at Blend Junior College and then was fortunate to land uh Saw Ross head coaching job.
1: So your your program now being a D three program and looking at your your history, what's kind of the compare and contrast, you know, different levels of college versus where you're at now?
2: Well I was fortunate. Um I got into the N C A head coaches uh mentoring program uh what a, what is a great experience and it still goes on it's, it's i think it's partnered up with the n f l today um uh, when I was sitting through those seminars uh, I knew i wasn't cutting out i wasn't cut out to be a division one head coach. Uh, I just don't want to get in that political arena of it. I think they lose some of the contacts with the players uh so then I started focusing in and looking for uh Division three head coaching job and, and I know a lot of Division three schools or private schools and I wanted to really hopefully land a state school and I found one and, and we're in the great state of Texas where football's king and you know it's been a challenge here. You know, it's been a program that's been on the down. was uh, very similar to my experience at Prairie View. I took the, our Blueprint that we that Coach Frazier had at Prairie View. We're going to recruit nothing but uh Texas kids and build this thing up.
1: Okay, and that leads to my next question: your recruiting philosophy. Obviously, just studied- te- Texas kids. Um, yeah. I'm in Ohio. That's where my office is located. We have offices all over the country, but I'm in Ohio, right. big football state, but Texas is huge. So you don't have to look out of your state at all.
2: No, I really we do. You know, it's our home state. This is where we recruit out of. Um, we're the most affordable four-year school in the state of Texas, so that's a big plus. Uh, now, we do have some hurdles. We're in West Texas. Uh, you know, from here to Dallas or Houston is eight hours away. You know, our closest airport's in Midland, which is two and a half hours away. So we're, our town is 6,000 people. Our university is a little under 2,000. Uh, it's small town, uh, America, uh, no traffic light. You know speed limit is thirty five now once you get outside the city, it goes up to eighty five <laughs> but uh so but that that's our hurdle is trying to get kids to come out and visit um you know, and but once they get here, I think they really fall in love and especially with our costs so
1: yeah and and one word of advice and i've I've been doing this twelve years, obviously you've been doing it longer um on the recruiting side. a lot of these kids and it's getting worse instead of better, the sense of entitlement and the downgrade of. You know, I'm, I'm D1, I'm D1. You never get kids calling and asking for help to go to a D3 school. And um, you've got some great programs out there. You've got players that continue on the higher level professional sports. And uh, we have Mount Union here in Ohio, which you're probably tired of hearing that name. Right. A lot of guys well, I, are. I got
2: Mary Harden Baylor, so they're in our conference. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there's some competitive football. And and under, uh, you know, 2% or less are going to continue at the Division One level, let alone – on a scholarship so these guys they come to you and, and i'm sure some of them are pretty high talented guys do they think they were going to be d1 d2 and did they just eat the humble pie and come through the doors or did you you, you did some selling i would think uh, we, f-
2: yeah we have to sell them they do they do think they're going division one uh there's a survey that our university pass uh, to all the freshmen and a lot of the student athletes think they're going to come here for one or two years and then transfer up uh-huh. and, you know, have that opportunity, um, you know, and with that, I recruit our current roster just as hard as our, our next class. Cause you know, we got to try and hold on to these kids and cause you win with juniors and seniors, you don't win freshmen and sophomores. So that's kind of my philosophy over the last two years. And it's starting to pay off. You know, when I, I took over the program, I think I had 40 returners, and this spring when we, you know, started, you know, winter workouts and you know they trained, and even going into our little non-traditional five-week period, we we were at up up to 70 kids and really 90 on the roster just because they had they couldn't practice because of academics. Uh-huh. If they can get that fixed, you know, we could have uh, almost 90 kids returning. So they haven't had those numbers at this university before I got here.
1: Uh, Obviously, you're not paid the multimillion-dollar contracts.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) How do you tell a a young man you're not the man, because you don't have to lie to these guys. You're not trying to win football games and keep your job and keep your million-dollar salary. So you've got nothing to lose, everything to gain by being forthright. How do you lay that on a recruit that, hey, you've got to earn your keep here and you you know, like you said, juniors and seniors wins games, and, and that's true. That's true in high school. That's that's true in every level. Um, right. So how do, you, how do you have that dialogue? That's a tough
2: well, one. Well, when I start recruiting the, 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 the student athlete or in the family, we, you know, most of our, our recruits, you know, they don't come in for a one-day visit. A lot of Division threes, is you come in for one day and then you're out. All, all our recruits are overnight. Uh, so I think that we're kind of special with that. Uh, we get to know the student athlete a little longer uh, just because of our location. Uh, then the parents come with them, and I tell the parents straight up, you know, you know there is red shirting you know, or p- possible a fifth year in Division three, but I want you to graduate in four years. And you could do that from Saul Ross, um, you know, and then you're not accumulate. Uh, a lot of debt, you know, with with our tuition being fifteen thousand, our cost, not just tuition, room, board, fees, everything is fifteen thousand a year here. So uh, that that's our big selling point is our cost factor and what you want to major in. You know, we got a great education program, we got a great ag department, uh, we got an outstanding criminal justice department. You know, if you want to be an engineer, you know, Saul Ross is not the place for you. And that, you know, I sell it from that perspective. So you got to know what you want to major in. Um, be prepared, and, you know. And I tell all the recruits, yeah, hey, mom and dad may want you to come to Saw Ross, but you got to be happy here. You know, if, I don't know how familiar with Texas, but you know, our biggest fast food chain is Water Burger. Well, there's uh, no Water in Alpine. Oh, Water is so
1: good. <laughs> yeah, there's
2: no Water so you got to make sure this is the right fit for you coming out here this distance and being such a remote area you know and we've been lucky very fortunate you know we've had two great classes and we got about 30 each class my you know my first class has about 30 guys returning and my second class has a right around that number maybe 35 so we're excited what we're doing so
1: all right so the you know the football players listening what do you look for in a prospect and what's the core values that you look at? I know only you get to spend, obviously you watch tape, you talk to right. coaches still, even though you're not given quote athletic scholarships, there's right. gotta be some core values still that you want in, in your culture and your team. And what, what would those be?
2: Uh, that's one people to want to compete in the classroom and on the football field. I know it's hard to, to get that combination sometimes, but that's what I, I, I tr- try to approach the recruits with, and then we and on film that's what we look for look, guys that's making plays and you know everybody wants the six five two hundred ninety pound left tackle but we're division three you're not going to get that kid and we, we sell you know heart and effort we try to get some undersized kid that play hard uh, education is important for them obviously they want to get that degree so that that's what I'm looking for
1: so effectively. Um, even in Mount Union, and I've had plenty of players go that route, and guys go all over the country. And actually, Prairie View, I've had some guys transfer from Juco's over there. A very expensive school. Um, what do you What do you do when you know that some of these kids are leaving bigger high school programs with more fans attending the games and maybe better facilities? Is, is oh, that yeah, definitely you, you face that daily when you recruit? Obviously,
2: we we that's definitely an issue. Um, I tell you, our little stadium is, you know, it's old. It's, I don't know, going 75 years old, I believe. Um, we're getting brand-new field turf mm-hmm. this year. Matter of fact, they're very late, probably in a week. Uh, so that's a big plus for me. Uh, what was great, before I took the job, um, they just completed a new locker room facility. So I know the Division Three schools we played in their conference, at least the way locker rooms, are, our facilities are pretty nice. Now, Mary harden baylor has got a cream of the crop they did a great job building theirs but um so I think we're on par there our housing is a little bit better (laughs) the dorm life or situation is a lot better than some of the private schools in Texas Mm -hmm. so I think that's a big win for us so you know uh, and like I said we got to find the right niche and the right kid and our home base recruiting wise is El Paso uh, you know, when I was at Prairie View Scholarship Program, we never recruited El Paso. UT really doesn't recruit El Paso, but it's a great area of football, and football's getting so much better in that city, and that's three hours from us, and it really fits the Division Three mold. And San Antonio, even though the UTSA there, you know, they just started it up well, a few years back, but uh, that's, that area's been great for Division Three football. You know, Texas Lutheran's located in the suburbs of of uh, San Antonio and coach down there's done a great job turning that program around. And it, most, most, a lot of his kids are from that area. And then I have a lot of connections from the Houston area. So we do get some guys, you know, 10 or 15 kids a year from the Houston area. And then once we get a kid from the big city, you know, yeah, it's different. Once they get past that homesickness, it, they feel really safe here. You know, uh, you know, I was really shocked. My first summer here, we had 20 some kids working out just, you know, There's no scholarship, but they're here in summer one because they like it here. So that that's been real fortunate to us. So I think the school, it is, you know, it sells itself when the kids get here and they really realize they can have success here.
1: Well, and the truth is, and and you you've been through the process. I've been through the collegiate process. Is no matter how big it is, you're going to have a bubble. You're going to have a a core group of people that you trust, in your safety zone and your your places that you like to to hang out at. And so I, I think that stigma of a smaller school d3 and things that we deal with in this industry kind of goes away once you start you know they're they're falling in love with you coach they are not falling in love with just the yep. stadium or obviously you know not all these kids are going to get at the d1 or d2 level scholarships and they're paying for that experience so when you look at the plus facilities and and all those things keep in mind parents somebody's paying for it yep. um so with that said obviously there's a value in dealing with a less expensive uh, tuition and education, how would you best explain, and I try to explain to parents, ethically, Division 3s aren't allowed to give athletic scholarships, but when you really do some due diligence and research, you see that the NCAA has sanctioned or even schools have self-reported misappropriation, and I'm not leading to say your university does that at all, I'm just talking in right. general, that I looked at statistics and a couple years ago, a, division threes that uh, over 80% rate had some questionable activity with regards to, you know, given a student athlete, you know, when you compare an athlete versus average Joe, the same grade, same financial need, all those things, but they don't play sports. They're not getting the same money as the athletes. How do you think some of these schools are getting away with that? I mean, they're really not getting away with it. They're just doing it.
2: Right. Yeah. They're making the system work for them. Um, what I tell the kids, you know, some of these private schools, you know, they'll say, Oh, you know, Whatever school offered me a scholarship. Well, they're, they're, are they giving you a scholarship or are they just giving you a coupon for their education? They're trying to get down to our cost. All right, so the school might cost you forty thousand. They may give you fifteen thousand. Well, you're still paying twenty five thousand. It's fifteen to come here, you know. And you know, <laughs> you can do the math. <laughs> you know, different if we have different majors or something like that. But if we have everything. That lines up with you you're going to cost the cost is going to be a lot less you know and I've met coaches on the road that you know they said I'm paying for my championship rings when I, you know the university I went to at the division three you know I still got student loans you know I got over a hundred thousand and you you could graduate from Saul Ross with you know under 40,000 in loans really
1: so yeah you made me kind of chuckle and snorkel backwards yeah. on the on the coupon comment because one of the things that I take pride in with my staff and our offices across the country. When we meet with clients and talk about this recruiting is hey, don't bring us in to market and and mentor and work with you if you think that we have some pixie dust and we're gonna be able to get a division one coach to offer you. If you have the talent level and you're in the ballpark, yes, we can have dialogue with those coaches, but ultimately you guys make the decision. And one of the things that I always go and say, hey, let's talk worst case. Let's say your kid goes D3, has a great experience, gets to play, gets the coupon discount because we've shopped yep. you because it is a business. Yep. Um, you know, the, like you said, the state school is a little bit different than the private school. I went to Division One and I went to Division Three. I had both experiences, mm-hmm. and the D3s are so well endowed. When you're asking for forty, fifty thousand a year, you got a little bit of fat to trim that you can offer to the right guy. Right. Um, so that's what this whole marketing is about you know parents listening and high school coaches that listen to this segment is there's room for certain opportunities in certain schools i think mount union and you know and, and i like vince i i, I know vince right. and I, I love those guys but it is what it is you, you don't get yep. d1 type players by not being able to give them some financial advantage it's a fact yep i, I
2: totally agree and you know, you look at the teams that dominate, you know, really Whitewater is the only well, state school, but they have what, 20,000 students I've heard. I don't know if that's the right. The, the, you may know that, but yeah, I heard what, their, their enrollment's really up there. So
1: And Wisconsin, Whitewater. It's, you know, you have bars, restaurants. I've been to a couple mm-hmm. schools, even in the nineties being a recruit and I was a division one recruit and I went on a couple D two and D threes just for the experience. And mm-hmm. I went to one school and I, it, it was, Better than a lot of D1s I visited in the MAC. Right, in right. New facilities, Marble, Ritz-Carlton-like, bars, restaurants. I went to one school, Division three, had 23 restaurants on campus. And I'm wow. going, how do you have twenty thirty thousand 30,000 students and be a D3 program when you have that pool of, of talent coming in? I mean, obviously, those facilities are going to recruit better than someone in a rural market. Right. Exactly. It is and it, you know,
2: and it is a disadvantage for some state schools and also some state schools get stereotyped where, you know, the education value is not as important as the private school. Oh yeah. But you know, and then you but then it's like you're writing a checkbook. So uh-huh. I don't know. And, you know, when you're a teacher, you know, my youngest son wants to get in coaching. And I don't know where he's going to go yet. I really don't want to coach him. <laughs> so I'm yeah. trying to shop him out now. <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, if you're going to be a, a public school or a high school coach, you, know, you could go to Stanford or you can go to Saul Ross. You're going to get paid the exact same. You know, because that's the way the board of ed works. So it all depends on your major and what you're looking at. And if you want to be a lawyer, you may need to go to a private school. So I, I think you really got to understand what you want to be in life and find the right school that fits you.
1: So now you coached high school football at a young age, yep. correct? Yep. What was the expectations of the parents then, which isn't long ago? We're in the same age bracket here. Um, compared to now, I mean, how's the the parent evolved as far as expectations? Oh.
2: I think it really depends on state. I was in Florida uh, yeah. where I did most of my coaching. So, they, you know, they're, they're kind of like Texas. You know, they live, they think everybody's going to get a Division one scholarship. So, so it depends where it's emphasized. You know, when I'm in Maryland, when I, where I grew up, football is not that important. You know, it's a basketball area. Not that there's good football in Maryland, but, you know, it's, to me it's a basketball haven. And that's why I'm coaching in Texas and I coached in Florida because I want to, to be where quote unquote one of the better States where football is important. And so here, and you mentioned it earlier, even to some of the kids we recruit, the facilities they've built down here in Texas, you know, Katie high school is building a $61 million stadium. Allen has like a $60 million oh, stadium there. now yeah. McKinney right on the other side of Dallas is building a $63 million stadium. So, you know, it's the number one sport here it's emphasized, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent, but Allen's also, Allen High School's got one of the best music and fine arts program in the state, too. So they put the money in there as well. So, um, you know, uh, extracurricular activity is important in this state. Let's just say that. And, uh, you know, it, it so those parents do think a lot of those kids are going to get some type of scholarship. And then the good thing is, I guess now, you know, the Division One schools, they offer so early you kind of get those kids out of the way. I really wish they would go to an early signing. I wish they went for an early signing period just for when I was at the 1AA level because a lot of times you do chase ghosts and you're wasting a lot of money and wasting a lot of time and energy when you really need to find your kids and really focusing on getting the right ones for your university.
1: Budget-wise, is there such a factor in your recruiting process other than working the phone and getting people down
2: there? Yeah, we're well, yeah, we're, we're small budget, obviously, and – you know, like San Antonio, six hours away, El Paso's three hours away, so uh, you know, uh, we're making do. Uh, we do live on the internet a lot, um, you know, just to get, reach out kids, and you know, it's good and bad. We definitely find some talented kids, but you don't get to know them like you really want to know them sometimes, but you know, in D3, you d- you still do recruit numbers, and it's, it's like a big possible. You, you know, you throw all those kids out there and hopefully the majority of them stick, but um and that's what we've been doing pretty good with it. But uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. But, you know, we, we do live off the Internet, social media recruiting. Um, and then we just try to narrow it down. And I don't – I'm not fortunate to have uh, – you know, we play some JV games. Uh, but we don't have a JV staff. So I'm the head coach during the JV football game as well, where I you know we played other schools in our conference where their head coach don't even go to the game. So – um you know, we, we, we work long hours here and just try to get those kids the best experience.
1: Going back to social and, and technology, I know at a D1 program and the media's involvement, you know, the, the Nick Sabans of the world have more at risk with uh, someone that maybe has some suspect social media behavior. Do you see that relevant in your recruiting process? And if so, have you had to walk away from somebody?
2: Um, We haven't really per se. Uh, we probably don't had the staff to follow everyone's Twitter line (laughs) like the bigger schools do. Uh, I know when I was at Prairie View, we had people do it. And, you know, it was kind of crazy. Um, the honey badger, uh, when he got his little issue at LSU, he tweeted that he was going to Prairie View or someone did. I don't know if it was him or not. And next thing you know, ESPN was calling our head coach and we're like, we're not recruiting this kid at all. He hasn't contacted us. Right. So, you know, so really from our level, um, I haven't had the same experience at the bigger schools. And, and, you know, they got the personnel and uh, support staff to just, you know, could have someone work on those Twitter lines all day long. So.
1: Well, I think it's it's gotten out of hand, too, especially with yep. these, like you said, early signing. It's almost necessary because this soft verbal, hard verbal, it's a joke. And then you got a coach who actually yep. – I, I agree with what he said at Texas A&M that these kids are too soft here. You got a guy playing yep. in the NFL – that said, you know, you're too soft and your word is your bond. And then he has to retreat because two commits said, I'm going to look elsewhere, then look somewhere else. I, I mean, yep. There's plenty of other programs that will put up with it. And then the guy had to apologize the next day because I'm sure somebody called him either AD or the president or the head coach and said, you need to, you know, for political reasons, apologize. And we're creating right. a culture of, of, you know, 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds that are dictating a process that they won't be able to handle when they get there. Um,
2: exactly. I truly agree. And, and the kids don't want to compete these days. You know, I mean, I just from the outside looking in, I hate him. You know, he had two quarterbacks transfer out in December, you know, and they were young. I mean, you, your career hasn't even started, you know, and, you know, I guess these freshmen, they just think they can walk in and start anywhere and be the guy, which I want that mindset. But sometimes it, you might have to take it may have to take two or three years before you can get on the field. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, build the program, be part of it, you know, and they want to start. And it's almost like a free agency in a professional league, you know, if you don't want me, all right, I'll go somewhere else then, you know, so that's what it's turning into. So I guess we, we created it. So yeah. I, I you know, know. The,
1: the media and, and, you know, the yep. sensationalized signing day. I mean, it's gotten to the point, guys are jumping out of planes with uh, parachutes yep. or where they're committing. And I, I think it's comical where, and that was in Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's big in Texas. But I, I remember, you know, I remember it being special in 1992. You know, you mm-hmm. got on the local uh, cable station and you said, this is where I'm going. And, and it was a nice moment. I think you, the, these guys earn it. You don't want to discount what they're doing. But to make it so over the top, they think that, you know, they're at a whole different level until you put the pads on and go, oh, you know, this is a this is different level. Even if it's D3, these guys are going to smack you. There's yep. no doubt about exactly.
2: it. Yep. And that's this conference that I play in the American Southwest. It, it's super competitive. So you got to bring your A game. So you're right.
1: Yep. What's the um, the one out of thousands and thousands? I'm friends with a couple guys that played at D3 schools and have continued on to the NFL, which is very, very rare. Um, how has that changed? In your opinion, as far as the expectations of a D three player getting that pro look, do they think it's out there? Um, yeah, I think so.
2: I mean, they they all want to play on Sundays, uh and it, you know, truly is you know the, those programs are billion billion dollar uh, industry, you know, and they're going to spend the money. So, you know, if they if you can play; they're going to find you. You know, New York. Uh, I think it was the Giants sent me an email. So you know, hey, who are your prospects? Who guys we got to look for down the road or whatever? So they're out there uh, doing their research, and you know, um, so if you can play, they're. I really, truly believe they'll find you. I don't care where you're, where you're located. You know, when I first got to Prairie View, I used it as a one double A. We didn't have the players to play on Sunday. And in my last five years there, we had three guys sign free agent. Contracts. One kid uh, was with the Ravens when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, so and we had another kid on starting uh, his first year with the with the Browns. So you know, if you got talent, they'll definitely find find you. You know.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I I think. A lot of these kids come out, and and that's what they're looking for in a D three is how many have you placed in in the pro ranks, and you know I've seen it all the time. I'm in this, I uh, you know seven days a week I'm in this industry, so uh, mm-hmm. you know it's it's a different ball game, and everybody takes the Wes Welker. Look at his height and uh, weight right. and speed, and I can do it too, and and that's great to have dreams, and you know you only have a short window to play this sport, especially at the collegiate level or or thereafter. So I think it's nice to have a dream, but you got to have a realistic point of view how you're going to get there. Um, right. and, you know, that's probably the best advice. Now I've got a little segment as we're wrapping up here. Um, I, I call the toughest yard, um, looking back at your high school or college athletic career, what was the toughest thing that you encountered that you may have just said, this is, this is too much, or, you know, what, what do you recall that was just really challenging for you as a player? Um, I mean, I was always undersized. So, um, you know, I was
2: fortunate that when, Delaware recruited me, or I recruited Delaware, I don't know how you, however you want to put it, but when they gave me the opportunity, uh, we were still throwing, I played D-line there, and we were still still throwing the forearm flipper.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that worked really
2: well for me. So, and I just figured it out, you know, but you know, I remember, remember my D-line coach my sophomore year said, Coach, you, you know, you came up to me and said, I'm not ready to play yet, but, you know, we're not going to cut you. And I just had that determined, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. And I was never stud there. Not at all. You know, I was fortunate to hang in and, you know, I, I got on the phones, my sophomore, I think it was my sophomore year, called a few smaller schools, division two, II, division three, but I'm really glad I stuck it out. Uh, the ending was well worth it. You know, I only started five games there, but they're a top 25 program when I was there and I played for a hall, a hall of fame coach that won 300 football games. Uh, you know, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, you know, during my time when I graduated high school, Miami Vice was big. So at first, I thought about being a criminal justice major, and you know, I was like, you know what, them bullets are real. So I was like, let me. You know, my second love was football. So I was like, let me figure out how to do, how to get in coaching, and I started watching Tubby and the great staff that we had there. Uh, Greg Perry was our old line coach. Uh, to this day, I think he's the best offensive line coach in the country, even though he's out of football. And just how they interact with the students and, you know, us, the players. And, you know, I I do some of the same drills that Tubby Raymond taught us, you know, in 1986, 87, when I first went there. So, uh, you know, that's what I started doing. I knew what I wanted to do. I started looking up to those guys, knew uh, what I wanted to get into. And I've been fortunate to do it for I think it's going on my twenty fourth year, and I don't feel like I worked one day of my life
1: uh, that's i mean that that's a whole different topic and when you yep. do something and you feel like you're not working, that's truly living and it's not about this the paycheck or the salary, and a lot of people won't realize that until they've been rich and poor and and looked at you know both sides of the spectrum. What's your toughest encounter as a coach i mean what do you what do you recall in your your career going this mm-hmm. in you know, another tough one? I mean, the
2: real toughest thing right now is becoming the head coach. You do lose touch with the players, even at the Division three level. They walk by my door and go see my defensive coordinator or my offensive coordinator. And so they don't want to, you know, every time they come in my office, they feel that they're in trouble. Yeah, pr- yeah principal's <laughs> so, office. Exactly. And I understand it. I get it. But, um, you know, I, so I, I lost a little bit of relationship with the players that way uh and i've heard tubby raymond he he said the same thing that was the hardest thing uh but the big joy is trying to get these guys come together and we're all fighting for the same cause so just trying to win football games and to do it the
1: right way what do you see parents doing that you know kind of your best advice to them that you wish they would they would apply in this process and what makes you irk when when you see parents? you know that they're going to start right away (laughs) (laughs) and then they're calling and then they're calling you like you're the high school coach going, why is my kid playing?
2: (laughs) Exactly. Or they'll even bypass my number and call the president's office. (laughs) Oh, it's gotten (laughs) to that
1: point. Wow. Oh yeah. It'll it'll
2: go there sometimes. Yep. But, um, so, but yeah, that's the thing that they're, I guess, you know, they think their son's a superstar. You know, I think my son's a superstar too, but I'm the best father, for any coach that he plays for because I kind of keep him in check.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I actually discontinued coaching. and My notion was um, obviously the recruiting and and this industry has grown for us. But Mm -hmm. when I was coaching high school, I always said if if my son or sons come to my program, that's when I stop coaching because I want to be a fan. I don't want to coach my kid. I think that would be a horrible experience. Me personally, I just wouldn't want to do it.
2: I agree with that. And that, you know, when we moved out here two years ago, he was a junior, going in, no, he was a 10th grader. And I told the coaches at Alpine High School, I said, hey, here's my son. He, he'll he give you 100% effort. You got to figure out where to play him. <laughs> and being on the bench, it ain't bad either. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you earn what you get, and that's probably the best thing you can do for him. Long term, okay. as a young man, I mean, you sitting there coddling them isn't going to help, obviously, and and unfortunately, right. a lot of parents do that, and and I get it, I deal with it too on, on my end. Is, you know, you tell a consumer, I get it, your kid's the greatest, it should be that way, um, but we also have to compare, you know, let's look at a player that's a D one player, is your kid that, and then they kind of go, no, no, he's not that. Um, what's your best advice in closing with these student athletes, these young men, when they're selecting a college, or you know, what what's your best tip for them in this recruiting process my best
2: recommendation look at everything division three two one double a and division one um you know uh you got to find a place that you're going to fit in academically so the school's got to have what you want to major in you got to like the coaching staff you know because you're going to be around those guys a lot you got to fit in socially you know i think if you have those three things you're going to have success you know because there's guys that leave alabama you know, or Georgia, where there's 100,000 people at a spring game, and you know they got more money, and you're getting treated better than professional athletes. But they transfer out because either they they don't fit in socially, they don't have their academics, or they don't like their coaching staff. And they got to really evaluate that. Look beyond, you know, the the players lounge or you know the locker room and stuff like that. Yeah, That's all nice and that's great, and I understand it because that's part of recruiting, but you know, you got to really fit in and see yourself graduating. You know, can you be at that school without football? That's why I look at. It. That's I, that's how I look at every job that I was fortunate when I when I interviewed. I said, hey, can I sell Saul Ross without football? Can I sell Prairie View without football? Can I sell Shepherd without football? And that's why I look at it because everybody wants to play football. They love that, and that's the easy factor. So, but take that out of it. If you're going to be happy living in Alpine. Texas, you'll have success here. Now you don't, you know, you're not gonna be here four years. You know that's the thing. You know you go, you can go back home with your degree and get yourself a job, and that's what I, that's what I tell the recruits. You know, it, it's about you. It's not about what your family wants. It's really got to be about you.
1: All right, Coach, I greatly appreciate your times. Great advice. I, I think you know, talking about the the, the D two or even D three level, it, that's where the passion lies, and, and that's never gonna change. And again, I appreciate your time greatly helping these kids out.
2: All right. Appreciate uh, joining your show. And uh, that's a look this fall. All
1: right. You
0: too, Coach. Thanks Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Scholarship Corporation Corporation Radio Radio Network. Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.